Once in a decade, a recording comes along that just stops me in my tracks with such originality, creativity, and beauty. And this track, Homage, from Australian vocalist Gian Slater's latest release, Grey is Ground, is one of those. I'm blown away by her work and how multi-textured it is, how intriguing the rhythmic aspects are, and the juxtaposition of her voice, the purity of her voice against the dense textures. John joined our conversation from her home in Melbourne, Australia, where she is a mother, teacher, composer, performer. What struck me most about Gian was her ultimate trust and her curiosity, her intuition, which she faithfully has followed since the beginning of her career. In our conversation, she talked about the five-year journey to bring Grey as ground to life, her love of teaching young vocalists, and how she conquers writer's block using some very interesting devices to spark creativity or to challenge herself to push through. It's so fun talking with someone so authentic and committed to their craft, and I feel what she shared is something we can all learn from, which is ultimately to be true to ourselves. Please enjoy my conversation with Gian Slater. Hi, welcome to The Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve Davidson. Each week, I sit down with musicians from all different paths, from composers to conductors, percussionists to piccolo players, to tease out their strategies, practice habits, tips, tools, tricks, routines, and how they keep all of it playful. The Playful Musician is an intimate look into the lives of each musician, how they got to where they are, what motivates and inspires them, and what playing music means to them. If you'd like to learn more about the guests or just more about being playful, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find show notes, links to all references mentioned in the show, and all kinds of resources related to music. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to The Playful Musician on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave a review as well? Thanks again, and without further ado, here is this week's episode. Gian, welcome to The Playful Musician. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's really lovely to be here. Awesome. I, I hear birds in the background. Do you have birds? There, there are birds talking right now in my uh, backyard. I'm in my studio right now. It's usually very awesome. quiet, but the birds have just come out right now. It's also raining, so you might hear uh, some rain, some nice gentle right. rain. All right. The rainy season in Melbourne. It is, yeah. Is it been a is a typical rainy and kind of cold for a winter? Yeah, Melbourne in particular is rainy and overcast, grey. You know that's typical Melbourne weather. Although last week we just had the most glorious week of sunshine, cold. Oh. You know, cold but but sunny, and um and it was so lovely. It just you know hit a bit of a reset button. I think for for everybody having a bit of that uh, yeah. sunshine. But um yeah, yeah. we're We've got a rainy week this week. <laughs> and how how are things in Melbourne? How is Melbourne faring with the pandemic and all those challenges? Yeah, I mean, look, Australia in general has done very well um, yeah. in terms of the the actual case numbers that we've had here. 
Um, our governments have been, by and large, very good at um, containing the spread. And um, mm. we're lucky for that. So everything, all the other kind of trials that we've been through, I think, are pale in comparison to to elsewhere in the world. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think Melbourne at the moment is feeling um, lucky because we uh, are not in lockdown at the moment and Sydney, mm. New South Wales is in lockdown. Oh, wow. Um, we've, Melbourne has spent the, you know, it's been the hardest hit uh, city in Australia in terms of oh, wow. uh, clusters and um, lockdowns. We've had last year, we had, you know, we really spent the most part of last year in lockdown. Um, and, you know, the the kind of worst outbreak happened here. So mm. um, at the moment, there's been, uh, there is a current sort of outbreak happening in Sydney and um, it's not going so well there, um, although hopefully they'll turn a corner after a few weeks of lockdown. Um, and yeah, there was a, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, a bunch of places around Australia and we all felt a bit strange because we were sort of like the only ones that weren't in lockdown. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, look, yeah, by and large, we've been very lucky here and we really, um, we look at, you know, a lot of the rest of the world and really feel it's so so thankful that we've been um, here, and yeah. that yeah, that it hasn't hit us as badly. Um, yeah. But of course, for musicians, it's you know, it's it's hit us really <laughs> badly because it's the lockdowns and everything too. Not just the virus itself, but it's the lockdowns yeah. that really, um, you know, they shut down lots of industries. So that's Have been there challenging. Been, yeah, right, especially for performers. Because there's, has there been any live perf live music or live performances in Melbourne? Yeah, I mean we've come sort of in and out of these lockdowns and things kind of bubble bubble along again. Um, you know, a lot of our venues have managed to stay afloat. Uh, it's mm. been very challenging for them, but we've, you know, that venues have opened and with sort of restricted audiences and things like that. We're kind of in Melbourne. We're sort of. Um, it's starting to feel much more normal. Um, the numbers allowed in the room are much more, you know, yeah. I think it's like 75% capacity at the moment, which is, you know, much better. And, sure. um, but yeah, for me, it's been, I think for a lot of musicians, it's still been very slow. Um, I yeah. think some people are really busting to get out there and, and take up whatever, whatever gig there is. Um, yeah, for me and a lot of people, I think we're just really taking it slow. We're just, you know, really missing performing and, and um, you know, collaborating with other people, but also just wary that everything you book could be cancelled, you know, that it's just yeah. such a precarious time. And, um, yeah, I've done very little performing in the past, uh, mm. you know, 18 months. Yeah. Sure. Have you done any like of the the Zoom online collaboration performance kind of thing? Yeah, I've done a few things, particularly early on last year. Um, I did a few things like that, and that was that was great. I think the the capacity that we've all got for learning new technology really quickly is quite um, is quite amazing because I think particularly people like me that um you know I'm not 
really, really quick at learning new technology and I don't, mm. I'm not really excited about it. I sort of, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's a bit of a slog. And so last year sort of was a great, you know, motivator to get going and, and really once and for all learn how to do a few things myself. Mm. And, um, and so that, that challenge of last year, I think was good for, for a lot of us, you know, learning to record yourself better at home and, um, and be able to do those things, uh, set up an online gig and make the sound okay and make it look okay. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, I think those skills are good, but, um, yeah, but it's strange. It's strange doing a performance to a screen. It's a strange yep. feeling, <laughs> you know, it's a strange feeling, but, um, yeah. but you know, I think it's a way, it was a way for, and still is a way for us to feel a little bit connected, mm. you know, and for yeah. audiences to, to receive something in their homes that feels closer to um, a live performance than, you know, a really slick recording, mm. uh, your video recording, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Were there any of the things that you learned, any of those skills that you picked up that you surprised, surprised you or you were like, wow, actually this is kind of fun and cool? Yeah, well, I think recording myself, like I really love being in the studio. I love working with um, a really great engineer mm. and there's really nothing else that I love m more <laughs> than just being in a studio for the day and doing vocal tracking um, mm. with someone, with just one other person there to sort of do that part of it. And um, mm. so I was really, I kind of was reluctant to learn how to record myself because I just thought, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be really hard on myself. It's not going to be as fun to kind of not to to not have someone to bounce off, or to sure. not have that kind of feedback. Um, and I'm going to have all these technical issues, and I'm going to get frustrated. And <laughs> I was really surprised to um, to experience something quite nice and quite lovely to be able to kind of have my bubble here and mm. record um, record myself, try things out. Um, so that was great because that broke, just, it just broke through a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, this kind of preconception that I had about it. And, um, you know, I'm really excited now to kind of get more, more stuck into that. Um, yeah. being able to produce things myself, it's just opened up, uh, another pathway for me. Mm. I think for a lot of people last year, a lot of musicians, it's just kind of gone, well, come on, you can do this yourself. You can do it. And there's... There's elements to doing it yourself that uh, are going to open, they are going to open doors for you, mm. um, even if you're always going to want to work with people, you know, yeah. even if working with people and collaborations are kind of still the kind of magic of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Having this self-sufficiency, I think, is a great empowering kind of thing. Did, did you find recording yourself... Uh, did you feel less pressure or more pressure than when you're in the studio with an engineer or was it about the same? Um, I, hmm, I think probably, I don't know if I really thought about it as pressure in the end. Um, mm. I think if I'm in a, if I'm in a recording situation where I'm recording somebody else's music and I've got a, 
a deadline and it's a new studio and yeah, that's going to feel like a sort of more pressured environment. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so the things that I've recorded um, for other people um, over this time, they've definitely felt less pressured because I've got my my time to do it and I don't have... Um, I've only got my own expectations to deal with. I don't have the other yeah. person sitting in the room. Um, and, yeah, I think possibly. But sometimes that pressure is good and sometimes it's having that feedback that immediately there with you mm. is great. I'm, I really i am very receptive to that in a studio. It just sort of it helps me actually, if I know that somebody else is giving me honest feedback... It actually helps me uh, surrender my own kind of very harsh inner critic. It kind of, you know. Oh, interesting. Um, if somebody says, I think you can do that better, let's go again. I'll be like, yes, I can. Yes, <laughs> let's do it. And uh, But if they're like, we've got it. And I think, oh, but what about that? Bit? And, but I, I have this kind of trust in this person, especially if it's somebody that I really love working with. Um, mm. I, have a, I have a trust that I think... Um, is really wonderful. It really helps the kind of um, flow of that process. Um, right. It helps you not fixate on very, probably really small things and imperfections that actually um, are really nice to have in a recording, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, so I think yeah. that's probably the downfall for musicians that record themselves is they, they, they may not want those imperfections um, they may right. choose to keep redoing, redoing until they're not there. But, yeah, I think that if I think about, you know, particularly with the voice, if I think about singers that I really love and recordings that I love, they always have, there's always imperfection. There's always a sort of searching for a way to express something that comes out, you know, maybe not quite, you know, it might be a tiny bit out of tune or it might be a tiny bit raspy or it might be, there might mm. be something about it. And, um, and I think I love that. I love hearing that. So I'm, I, I try when I'm in the, when I'm just recording myself, I try really hard to, um, first of all, try and keep takes together. Like I try and really keep the full take there so that it's one piece mm -hmm. and then I can assess um, whether those imperfections I can, I can handle. Uh, and then I go again. And I also just try and sort of think, yeah, it's really very difficult when it's your own performance, mm. but I do really try and sort of sit back and say, this is, the feeling is right here. The feeling of this is right. And, um, and that's the most important thing. And these mm. little bits that I could maybe obsess over, maybe they're not so important. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've definitely learnt. I'm learnt, I'm continuing to learn that lesson. Let's say <laughs> when right. I'm recording myself. Yeah. Are you able to do that, like in the moment? Like I know for me, it's it's super challenging to listen back to something I've just done because that's when I'm probably the most critical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one thing that's really helped me in recent years is I'm very, very time poor. So I have two kids and if mm. ever I'm out in the studio, I have a really restricted amount of time to get something done. Mm. And um, that is a wonderful 
I find that to be a really great, um, a great pressure, I guess, to have because it makes me, I, it forces me to sort of let go, actually. It forces me to say, this is my time. This is my time here. I don't have endless time to redo, redo, redo. Mm. So I'm going to focus here. I'm going to focus and I'm going to do my best in this moment. And what happens here is what happens here. And, um, yeah, I think I have learned to surrender more because I just simply have to. I have to move forward. And and so I think that in actual fact, in the moment when I listen back to something, I think, okay, yep, that's good enough is good enough, you know, I sort of think Mm -hmm. good enough is good enough. And then when I come back to it the next day, I might think, you know, yep, I definitely want to do that again or, (laughs) but I, but I try to, um, unless something's way off the mark, I mean, I certainly have those experiences where I, where I do something and I think it's not, this is not even close. So, but I think, um, I try and have the, the, uh, good enough is good enough mentality because I feel Mm -hmm. like capturing capturing a musical moment is it's it's more than just yeah it's how can I express this thought it's um it's not about the sort of perfection or the potential of how perfect you can make something it's really capturing a moment just a little moment out of your kind of artistry Mm. and Sometimes I think that's more important. I value, I, I try to value that more than just this kind of idea of, but what's the potential of what I can do here? Like, you know, yeah. how much more this could I make it? Or how much more? I sort of think, well, yeah, but that, those weren't the choices that I made in that moment. Right. And so maybe if this is the time that I have, you know, I've got this two hour block to do this, then maybe there's something special about the moment of what, what I'm going to come up with, mm. you know? Yeah. And I think that particularly if, if you're someone that's worked on your craft over many years, I think it's a nice, it's a nice idea to, you know, I mean, it's, a, an, it's an improviser's mentality, isn't it? It's really, <laughs> right. um, you know, it's an improviser's mentality, which sort of says um, the, the choices you make in the moment um, and they're never wrong, you know, they're mm-hmm. just the choices that you're making in that moment. And they're yeah. based on so many different factors and different things that are happening around you. And um, there's a sort of acceptance of of those choices. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's it's like, you know, people talking about having a really good gig or a really terrible gig, you know. And... <laughs> Sometimes there are so many external circumstances that make a gig really terrible, like the sound is really bad or, you know, it's a really tough crowd or, you know, and yeah, those experiences kind of, it's hard to lift positive things out of those. But um, there there are also kind of these experiences you have where, you know, your frame of mind is not, you know, you're not really in it, you feel Mm -hmm. distracted or you feel... Um, too self-critical or too nervous or too, and um, 
But, you know, I think the improviser's mentality says, yes, but you do different things in those different mindsets and they're not yep. actually bad things, you know. It's like <laughs> when you're really nervous, sometimes certain things don't go well, but sometimes certain things go really well. Sometimes you have this heightened focus in that nervous state. Sometimes Absolutely. you sort of move to this more simple, simple or minimalist way of performance when you're very nervous mm. that some, sometimes is more potent for the listener. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, coming back to recording, I sort of think I like to capture those things, those the vulnerabilities yeah. and the imperfections, and I like to try and accept that in that moment I'm making choices. It's part of this kind of... Um, it's part of the kind of continuum of of working on your craft and working on your ideas and um and that's va that's valuable yeah 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 i've heard a lot of musicians talk about the first takes and how how precious the first take is like they'll come in with the the score or the the sketch or whatever and and everybody at that moment there's there's less of a preconceived notion of what's about to take place. And everybody, it's more, I don't know if spontaneous is the right word, but there's, there's something that happens when first takes, and they're not always great, but often they're magical because it's a first take. Do you experience that as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's sort of like the first take or even sometimes the second take um, just has a focus and a freshness to it that you won't get back. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I'm definitely, I, I, I would say most of my recordings are first take or second take um, as the sort of primary track because mm -hmm. there's a freshness and there's, there's a vulnerability, you know, and, and I think, yeah, that, that always feels better it always feels mm. it's not even just the way it feels when you're doing it it's just the kind of commitment to sound when you're listening back yeah um and almost a sort of i think there's sometimes that that balance between something feeling a little bit edgy like something feeling you know if you're very very confident and very you're feeling very um I guess, loose, then you might feel able to take more risks and do more things, but you also might overdo it, you know? Yeah. You might. So <laughs> yeah. there's sort of this lovely balance sometimes. <clears throat> I think, yeah, second takes for me always feel a little bit better because they're just, they're not as cautious. Yep. I'm starting to sort of warm into it and get used to the sound, but I'm still really, really present and mm. so the balance sometimes is a bit better. It's, I'm starting to take some risks and feel um, some kind of agility, but uh, I'm also not kind of indulging in it. I'm just, I'm still really focused right. on what is it that I'm doing here? What's the song or what's the part? Um, and there's a, there's a focus and vulnerability that, yeah, once you sort yeah. of move, move past that, <laughs> Take unless I mean this is where when you're working with a a really great engineer or a really great producer, um, that can 
that can help you kind of push through um, the kind of weariness that might come from doing take after take because they might suggest that you try something like in quite a different way and that involves a you know a different kind of focus that gets Mm -hmm. you back into that headspace so sometimes that's worked well for me just you know let's just try it this completely different way um and it's there's a there's a sort of really deep challenge in that like really switching your mindset for how you're going about singing something and that can be good that can really just um sharpen your focus and and get you back in the moment of that piece of music um Mm. so that's where that's where i do really love working with someone else that can kind of throw something like that at me right um put me into that challenging space that that um gives me back my really sharp kind of focus yeah got it Mm. here's a track from gray is ground this one is called spider latest recording gray is ground that came out this spring right yeah and that was a f- like a multi-year endeavor if, if i understand right yes. like five i want to say five years five was- years yep so i'm curious about that that length and that process like did you have regular like scheduled sessions where you would go and record were there big swaths where you you left the music alone and came back to it like how can you give me a broad sense of those five years and how you how you worked on the project yeah um yeah so this is i mean a really different time scale for me to make an album because like most sort of jazz musicians the albums that i've made in the past are you know a few days in the studio Mm-hmm. at Mac, you know, maximum. Right. And, um, and they're out in six months, you know. Um, and so this was a different process and it, it began with a day, one day in the studio with um, the trio that I'd been performing with, Barney McCall mm-hmm. uh, on keyboards, who's the producer of the album, and um, Simon Barker, an incredible drummer here. And we'd, we'd played... Um, I think only one 
gig before this recording, but it was just a really magical experience for me. I really, I loved playing with these two amazing musicians and I really wanted to make, to write some music for us. Mm -hmm. So it started with one day in the studio and we really just, we kind of improvised on the songs. So my goal for that day wasn't to get anything near resembling the songs, the song forms themselves. Um, mm -hmm. It was to get a kind of atmosphere going and to kind of try and capture this, these songs with, with really open, improvised um, takes. So we kind of, particularly mm. with the drums, I just wanted to, for Simon to feel very free um, and to just play over repeated sections of the songs and try, sort of try different things. Um, mm. And the same with Barney. We had a few different keyboards. We had a, um, a what's it called, a Celeste. We had a beautiful Celeste <laughs> in the studio yeah. and that was, um, that was gorgeous. And so that was the first day. Um, and then... Barney and I sort of took those sessions away and started thinking about what we could do with them and how we were going to sort of craft these songs. Um, Barney's done a lot of producing his own music in his home studio, so he sort of suggested that we do it that way, that we just record over time, mm -hmm. um, a little bit at a time, and just see how this uh, music evolved. Mm. And so, um, you know, we, we kind of pretty quickly worked out, I guess, the sound, like the, the synth kind of focused sound of the mm. album. Like the sonic. Um, yeah, we, it, yeah, we really, yes, we had a, we sort of pretty quickly worked out what that was going to feel like. Um, and that sort of gave us those kind of parameters. But then we really, I mean, there was no schedule. Um, <laughs> we, we would just, I mean, in the five years that I was making the album, I had my two children. So, yes, we definitely had big blocks of not doing much at all. But we, yeah. we pretty consistently kind of chipped away because even when I was very heavily pregnant, I had my... We had we did a, a few sessions, and I had my daughter, you know, um, in some of the last vocal takes. I had my daughter on the carrier on my chest while I was mm. recording the final Beautiful. vocal takes. Um, so, but Barney and I would just have these sessions, and sometimes they would be um, only an hour long. We'd have an hour, you know. He, mm -hmm. He'd say, "I've got an hour between this time and this time, or two hours," or I'd say, "You know, I've got." Um, you know, I've got a couple of hours away from the kids, you know, can we do a session? And so we'd um, just open up one part of one song mm -hmm. and we'd dive into it. And even though we had this kind of limit on our our time, we didn't have a deadline for the album, you know, mm -hmm. even though I was really, I all the way along I was kind of really busting to just finish it because <laughs> <laughs> I really had to resist this temptation to just... Um, want to put it out into the world because that's just the way I've always done things and mm. it felt really hard to just keep it back. Um, yeah. But the process of just working on it bit by bit was 
in retrospect, was really very lovely because this idea I was talking about before with capturing a moment, you know, when I listen to the album now, I hear all of those moments, Mm. you know. I don't just hear one recording session. I hear five years of lots of different moments. I hear the the day where we recorded the backing vocals to this session and I can sort of, you know, I remember what what we were joking, what Barney and I were having a joke <laughs> about that day or what, you know, whether yeah. my my daughter was with me or, um, yeah, and the, the kind of musical ideas that we were kind of having and that's really lovely for me. Yeah. It's like a journal listening through the album. Uh, but I also think for the listener it just there are all these different pockets to kind of discover in it and oh yeah yeah and I feel really proud of that really proud that we gave it that time yeah um to kind of let it develop those little pockets of that you know you you dive into this kind of little 30 second pocket and spend a bunch of time trying to get that happening and um and get some magic and mystery in it. And um, mm. you sort of walk away and you think, oh, man, that was only a 15-second, <laughs> you know, 30-second moment. Yeah. But actually when you then pull it all together, it's, you you know, it's really lovely to have all of those little, all those little bits. And um, I think it does, it does mean that you, you capture more well you're capturing more of those moments so mm. that you're actually capturing more of your artistry i guess because yep. you're yeah you're dipping in at different times with different head spaces different you know vocal capacities different you know so you just um different curiosities and so yeah mm. it was a lovely like really lovely process and barney and i had a really great time just working on it and chipping away yeah well, I've been listening, I think I've listened to it maybe three or four times. And it's uh, w- what you said about the little pockets, it's so true. Every time I listen to a track, especially um, two of my favorites, which are Dimension and Homage, um, I hear, I, every time I hear something new, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I didn't notice that that time, and now this time I'm hearing this, and now this time I'm hearing this, and it reminds me of when I first heard, like, in the early 80s, like, Peter Gabriel or Brian Eno or Laurie Anderson or uh, even hearing Bjork for the first time where it's like, oh, there's so much here, but it's not it's not heavy like it doesn't there's a lot there and it was funny because i was driving home from an appointment today and peter gabriel uh sledgehammer was on the radio and i was hearing that song even now like i don't know 40 years later or whatever i still hear new stuff and and he he's talked about his he he labors over his albums like his albums take in general like a decade (laughs) a decade or more and i i'm I my sense is that you didn't like you weren't like modeling someone like him. This was an organic process for you, but but um, that's that's what this album that resonates with with a lot of those other artists that I've that I so appreciate, and I can't wait to 
to keep listening to it. Like it, it's just something I, I'm like, oh, I gotta go back <laughs> and listen more. It's it's so, um, yeah. There's a lot there. Thank you. It's um yeah. It's really lovely to hear that. And I think um, Barney and I, you know, our mission for this music really was to have it be kind of have it be focused on the songs and kind of making it feel simple but having a tapestry of other stuff, you know, a kind of underbelly of, of stuff that feels mysterious. So it's kind of got this these layers to it. You can hear it in a simple way or you can hear it, you can dive, you know, you can kind of dive in and hear these different layers um, and kind of be thinking, what is that? Um, and... Barney, I mean, Barney's really great for um, just really trying to get something mysterious and surprising, I think. You know, he really, he wants to hear something surprising. Mm. And so, um, you know, he'll, he'll say, what are you hearing on this part? And I'd say, oh, maybe this. And we'd really try and get, um, really try and, you know, go out of space with it. We're really trying to kind of make it, <laughs> yeah. you know, just no idea is too strange or too weird. It's going, it's, it's, it's the way that you integrate it, you know? Yeah. And, um, so we really enjoyed that kind of, um, really thinking about, um, texture in a really different way. And, um, I think through all of my sort of free improvising and, um, you know, extended experimental imp vocal improvising, you know, I have a lot of language for that, mm -hmm. textural stuff. And so it was great to be able to incorporate that. Um, and, but I think we also worked with a really wonderful mixing and mastering engineer who was able to kind of, he, Barney and I spent so much intense time with all these little pockets and, we it was great to have another ear to kind of come and hear the thing as a whole and sort of know where to place things. Mm -hmm. So he was really sort of so instrumental in the kind of um, at different points, actually, in the five years we checked in with him. And, and he, particularly towards the end, was able to sort of place things in the spread of the sound so that, yeah. so that the melody and the lyrics were still centre so that you could still hear that layer as the center yeah. and that all these other things could be heard. You could discover them over here, over here, over here, over here, over here, you know, the pan of the sound. Yeah. Um, but that they weren't necessarily kind of dominating, that they didn't have this kind of shock factor, you know. Yeah. Um, surprising but not shocking, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah. And so that was really, you know, just the the kind of balance of having that is, you know, is really, was really important for this album. And so Barney and I really kind of pushed it, pushed it, pushed it. Um, and then uh, Lachlan Carrick, the, the mixing mastering engineer, really helped kind of see the piece as a whole and where to place things and how to make it sort of flow. So, yeah, um, yeah so it was really, 
that was a great process and a great team to to make that kind of um, to make that balance happen um, in my mm. music. Yeah. 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 Mastering is they're wizards. I mean, they're just so yeah. magical. <laughs> oh. Their ears are like, what what planet are you from that you can hear all this? Like, and oh. it's truly your album is engineered and mastered. Like, it's it's exquisite, absolutely. Yeah, I f I really love being in all the mastering sessions, all the mixing and mastering sessions. So, um, you know, uh, even though I've worked with uh, Lachlan Carrick for many years, he's he's um, mixed and mastered pretty much all of my music. And I trust him um, completely, but I just love being there. I love being there and just witnessing the, the the change and the kind of what seem like really new, so subtle, nuanced things. And mm -hmm. it's just there's something about it that is so yeah. It's just completely out of the way that I hear the music. <laughs> yeah. So. It's just a completely different skill, and yeah. I'm fascinated by it, and I love just being there, um, just being a fly on the wall and just sitting there <laughs> listening to it all happening. It's just, yeah, it's really amazing. It is amazing. Mm. And so Simon Barker, like these, these, these rhythms and these beats, and like I was, again, like the opening track is like, it, it's a, it's, and this is sort of a, a theme I find with the spider, the opening track. It has like a regular pulse, but it, the, the beat is, it's very unique. It's like a press roll almost, you know, and, and then homage is like also another song that's pretty regular, but the, the texture, like the, the percussion instruments he's using are so colorful and, and unique and, I don't know. It's just there. There is this mystery. I love that you said that because there, rhythmically, there's a lot of mystery there, and and there's, I don't, I don't have all the songs memorized <laughs> in terms of the <laughs> names, but there's, there's one that's most uh, starts out. Mo I think it's the second or third track that's mostly vocal, with a lot of uh, vocal harmonies and no percussion. Anyway, each track where I'm going is each track has has a very unique quality to it, and that it's like, oh, where is this? Where is the pulse, or what is the beat, or? And then when it kind of settles in there, you kind of relax a little bit. You're like, oh, wow, that feels really good. And then it's like, oh, now it's it's morphed and it's changed. Um, and that's uh, some. I mean, obviously you wrote the songs, but my gosh, Simon. What an amazing percussionist, drummer. Uh, yeah, I was blown away by his he, contribution. Yeah. Simon, um, I've worked with Simon on a few different projects and um, he's very, very special, um, very special musician but also musical thinker, you know. He's really, um, he's always searching for things and he spent mm. a lot of time studying um, different drumming traditions in the world. So he, he studied Korean drumming and, um, and I think Indonesian. Mm. I think he's done a few different kind of, you know, um, real deep dives, like really going into it. And um, so he's got this very, very rich and very gestural kind of 
language. Mm. And um, so the rhythm on this album is really um, ha- has really been a starting point for all of the songs. So for me, when I write music previous to this kind of project, and I mean, there's been a couple of other recent projects where I've written more rhythmically from the beginning, but um, certainly on all of my other albums, they, the rhythm, the feels, it's kind of the second consideration, you know, mm-hmm. the first consideration is harmony, mm-hmm. um, melody, and then and then the feel comes. And I, I love that. I mean, I've always considered those things really deeply, but they are the second consideration, whereas for this album and for these songs, rhythm was my first mm. um, sort of idea for all of the pieces. Um, and Did you have especially those- Written out already? I'm sorry to interrupt, but... <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I didn't... I definitely didn't have Simon's kind of complex pa- patterns written out, but I had his um, his playing in mind. So particularly with a song like Spider, um, I had these different um, kind of quintuplet patterns written out in the piano part. Mm-hmm. And that kind of opened up this world to be able to hear it in kind of the smaller subdivisions of the quintuplets and then out into the bigger pulse. Mm -hmm. And um, so the piano pattern sort of really holds the the key, I guess, to how the song works. And then Simon played with that and and, um, when we recorded the drums for that song, it was, you know, yes, we looped it over and over and and he tried a bunch of different things. So, you know, the, what we ended up with is something where the, the piano part is consistent. And so the actual kind of time signature, the way that, that it's written and the way that it's played is really metronomic. It's really Mm -hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But it feels really different, like when you move from the first <laughs> verse to the second verse, because the way that he, the way that Simon's playing um, with that quintuplet material is different. Yeah. Um, and that's that's yeah, that's all Simon. Simon's just <laughs> amazing. So I, I just I wanted to create music that sort of had these ideas that he works with sort of embedded in the um, harmonic movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that also had this openness because I, you know, it's it's particularly when you're working with really uh, phenomenal improvisers, you know, I'm always really keen to kind of create an environment which is which might be composed for that person in mind, but doesn't sort of like put them in a box and say you just only I just right. only want do you to this. do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, we really, um, it was great to sort of just let Simon go for it on that and then piece it together. And he was really happy for us to do that, to mm. sort of pull apart the drum parts and put this thing here and this thing here. And, right. Um, yeah, but the process of writing the album was really very, uh, very rhythm orientated for me. And mm-hmm. as a result, you know, it, it does have this kind of, um, yeah, rhythmic mystery to it because it was my, it was my really, my primary 
consideration. Mm. Like when I opened up each song, it began with a, ryth- a rhythmic idea. And do you were you composing at the keyboard? Uh, I guess probably for the most part I was. Um, a lot of the pieces have, as I said, these kind of central keyboard parts. On the recording, some of those parts that you can hear really clearly and some of them are buried by the time we sort of layered things on top. But mm-hmm. um, they were centred around these kind of keyboard parts that were quite uh, quite rhythmic themselves and mm-hmm. um, had these kind of patterns that sort of, um, uh, yeah, locked in this, this rhythmic idea. Mm. So, yes, the piano parts, I guess, probably came first, although... Um, I really try when I'm composing to step away from the piano and try and begin. So, you know, in actual fact, a lot of these ideas came probably by writing out a rhythm first and, you know, and singing something, singing an idea with that rhythm first and then and then getting on the piano. Because mm. I think when you, yeah, when you're used to writing with a particular instrument, your hands fall in position, like they <laughs> yeah. fall in the harmony that you're really familiar with. Yep. They fall in, they do the rhythmic patterns that you're familiar with. And I I really wanted to expand that. So I think I I tried as much as I could to, um, yeah, set the rhythm first and then work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent a, a bit of time, you know, previous to this album, working on these kinds of rhythmic ideas in my singing. So I think that really opened um, that opened the door for kind of he- he- hearing them sort of f- flesh out into these songs, um, but it took a second for my for my hands to kind of coordinate and work out how I was going to play yeah. play these ideas. Yeah. Wow. So you would write out a rhythm, and then you'd maybe s- try to sing a little bit to it, and then. S- I'm just trying to tease out the process just a little bit. Yeah. I don't, we don't have to, like, tear it apart. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious how it works. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, with Spider, there's this, like, um, you know, it's got these quintuplets. Mm. And, yep, I was definitely hearing it as, like, this pattern that that shifts. So mm-hmm. I was hearing the... Um, like hearing the two three and the three two move quite a lot and so i i practiced singing against my clapping you know just singing against that so that i could feel that change in my body so that when i put my hands on the piano it felt like quite natural to just move like that gotcha um and so I think, yeah, that 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 opens up. It's I mean it's a physical thing, mm-hmm. so it just it's training your body to sort of feel, um, to feel comfortable in doing that different pattern. Uh, mm. But it's also yeah, you, the the ability to kind of do something with your hands and then sing something else over the top of it. Yeah. Um, so I had to work on that, and there's a, other pieces. Um, in Ocean Love, the, in the chorus, there's there's something really different happening in the um, piano part to the vocal part, you know, rhythmically. So mm-hmm. even though it sounds all kind of complete when you hear it, it's 
if there's a, yeah, there's a push and pull, I had to really work on that. But it was important to me that, um, I mean, I do play keyboards when we perform this music, but it was, it's also really important to me just in general in my music that I can play and sing against what, what I've written, you know. It's yeah. important to me that I hear those things really together mm-hmm. and that I have the coordination to do it um, because even if I am, for example, recording <laughs> just the vocal part over the top, um, I can hear the push and pull. It makes much more sense of my the rhythm of my vocal part Got it. If, you know, my body knows what's happening underneath it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's opened up new, um, new rhythmic language for me. I mean, this is the really incredible thing about writing music is that you, it's really just the, the most wonderful way to, <laughs> to learn new things about music, yeah. you know, um, yeah. to, to try and sort of make something um, new out of something that you've, you're initially finding quite complicated, you, you know, it's yeah. a, it's motivating and, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way to internalize. I think is it's a great way to get the, that new bit of information just in your body and in your ears and kind of off this, off this kind of page of sort of theory. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really putting it into your body. Right. And, um, and I, yeah, I really love that. I love that about composing. It's really just been my, the main way that I've kind of learnt new information and, and um, expanded my musical kind of knowledge. Yeah. It's super inspiring. To, yeah, well, now I'm like, oh, I want to try that for <laughs> writing. <laughs> when did the, where did the lyrics come in or the... You know, the words. Yeah. Well, I think, so the very first song that I wrote for this project was Grey is Ground. And um, and that piece is really about sort of, you know, accepting the mystery, the vulnerability, the unknown as a sort of neutral ground. You know, that this is, that... Um, you know, in moments of sort of um, insecurity or or um, ambiguity, we can feel really drawn to knowing, to wanting to know, <laughs> right? <laughs> what to do or to know the answers or to you know. And I oh, think yeah. in this world too, we're just it's so easy to find answers to every question you have, <laughs> um, and it's so it's. I think people feel more pressured to sort of like pick a side, you know, mm-hmm. or have an opinion. Or, yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I really, I, I wrote this song because I was really feeling like, well, actually, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't have the answers. And um, actually, maybe that's good, you know, because my ears are open. I'm listening to people. Mm-hmm. I'm able to take on really opposing points of view and try and understand them. Um, and in my own world, you know, I'm... You know, at the time when I when I wrote Grey's Ground, I was pregnant with my first son and I was thinking, like, what is this going to be all about? What's the parenting thing going to be all about? And mm-hmm. um, and so this idea of mystery, embracing mystery and vulnerability became a theme for the album. So that, that first song sort of set me off on that course. And mm-hmm. I didn't, 
I don't know, with the lyrics, like I don't really always plan for those things. But a few songs in, I was like, wow, I'm still writing about this. Like this is still the thing that I'm interested in writing about. And so, yeah, so with every piece on the album, it's about this kind of, um, I mean, Dimension is about, um, it's it's the idea is this, that you're looking at a, an artwork, say a, a painting, mm-hmm. and you're interrogating it. You are, you are, you feel that you're, you're inside it, you understand it, you can see the artist mm. in that painting. And then there's sort of this kind of <laughs> desire for the painting to see you. <laughs> And so dimensions about this idea that <laughs> that you know maybe in some sort of world this um, this artwork or this idea can see you back you know mm. um, and so like of course that. that's a really mysterious kind of idea that you're trying to grapple with something that's essentially quite abstract and mysterious yeah but you feel that you there's something about it that you know and um, and you want. For, for it to see the mystery and vulnerability in you. And um, so, yeah, and Spider is about this kind of, you know, Spider is really about this um, kind of dark mystery. It's about something that you feel is holding you back. It's about a kind of an enemy within, I guess, or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's... That's very mysterious, you know, kind of like uncovering the thing that that holds you back or that that um, makes you afraid or right. that that idea. Um, and then Wonder World was my the song that I wrote when I was pregnant with my first child, and I was really just thinking, what is this going to be? You know, <laughs> yeah. just the mystery of the the kind of mystery and wonder in. Um, witnessing something growing, you know, something just growing. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so those are just a few examples. But just, uh, it just became a really strong theme over the album. And so it was really lovely that, you know, Barney and I both really identified that this, this kind of like complexity and kind of darkness, but also there's a kind of, there's, there's an optimism, I think, in accepting, accepting, that you don't know there's a there's a great optimism in that and i feel that even though there's darkness in in the in the writing on this album that there is great optimism and um that yeah that kind of you have to accept what's there and what you don't know before you can you know you can it's it's like being honest isn't it it's Mm. kind of like a truthful thing you, you you've got to sort of see the dark and you've got to really accept that that's part of you before you can see the light and yeah. i think that um we wanted that expressed in the music too so this kind of mystery in the rhythm and in the the texture and everything in the harmony was um was a really big part of kind of matching that the stories that i was sort of telling in the songs yeah there is there is a hope like it's hopeful in in a way like you were saying about op, being optimistic it i feel hopeful <laughs> when i was listening to it and even though it can it it has t- tones of dark and you know shadow and all that but it's uh 
I, I don't know. I find that refreshing because we so often in, in our culture don't want to, at least in the West, where I'm very familiar with, we don't want to look at our shadow or look in the dark so much. And uh, But mm. that's, sometimes that's the most interesting thing or that's where the truth yeah. lies. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why it's, yeah, it's been such a common theme for me in my writing is that um, when I write lyrics and write music, it's 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 my place to really express those things, those nuanced things that are very difficult to talk about. You know, it's very difficult to actually have conversations with people about these kinds of things. It's it's um it's so I think you know this is one of the great um um and very special things about art making you know right is that you you're trying to express things that are ultimately very difficult to talk about even if you have the words they're very difficult to um broach mm-hmm. and so um being able to kind of express these things in in a nuanced way um in a piece of of artwork is really is such a um yeah it's a well, for me, it's just a, a really important part of my processing of the world mm-hmm. um, that I can do that, that I can um, kind of dive into these corners of my thinking and go, um, you know, okay, this is this is all right. You know, this is a really hard thing to communicate to somebody without sounding really, really negative or <laughs> really dark. And, and um, but, but it's not dark. It's, you know, you sort of have your own, um, thinking about it that's nuanced and that that's not just a, a sort of one-dimensional, you know, it's just dark and and um, and negative. You mm. you you have this feeling of of hopefulness and optimism within this little <laughs> dark corner of thought. Yeah. And um, totally. Well, my song "Dark Silence" is really exactly about that. It's about <clears throat> those times when you you're feeling really you are feeling really dark really down really flat um and i paint this sort of picture in the song of of actually going somewhere of going to a a, a little house in a forest like going there going into that dark place and seeing what's there like i'm looking around the room i'm seeing what's there Mm-hmm. I'm picking up all the, I'm, there's dust on the walls. I'm realizing like I haven't been here for a while, but it's all still here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then at the end of the song, there's kind of this, this hopeful thing of like, it's okay. It's, um, you know, this is, this has always been here. It always will be here. I found my little pocket of light again. I've had my time. I've spent my time in there. And now I'm ready to come back, mm. and um, and it's, it, yeah, it was kind of this way of of describing that feeling of when you actually you really need that time. You need to actually um, take the time alone to be with your thoughts, to let yourself go into that dark house, and to see what you find there, and then come back out. Right, you know. Yeah, and that's quite healthy. Um, so, 
yeah, so I really, um, I that song sort of really captures that way of thinking. I think most of my songs come from that place. They come from that yeah. that house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it's, um, you know, bravo. That's just a, I think it's, it's uh, such a wonderful work, your album, Grey is Crown, and, and I'm going to tell every single person I know, like, Oh my gosh, you got to check this out. It's so amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Here's another track from Gray is Ground. Here's Gian on Dimension. bit about uh like so you discovered jazz and improvisation in high school is that right Mm -hmm. and what was can you talk a little bit about that like how did you how did you discover that like was it a recording or a teacher that introduced you i think um you know i was sort of sort of peripheral no what's the word i want to use like (laughs) In my periphery, there was there was a little bit of an understanding of what jazz was in a um, kind of... My dad listened to Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. There was some of that kind of jazz playing in our home. But, um, but I think really the thing that pushed me into jazz was that I really didn't like <laughs> classical singing. Oh. Um, my dad, my dad um, is a beautiful... Uh, opera singer. Oh, he trained as amazing. an opera singer, and I, when I sort of got to the towards the end of high school, where in order to study music, um, in order to sort of take that further, you had to choose between classical or jazz. Which now, n- now that I look back on it, is a really funny kind of idea. You know, <laughs> I was at the time I was writing lots of my own songs. I really loved folk music. Um, and, but that wasn't sort of legitimate. That wasn't a legitimate, um, sort of, uh, musical Path, study yeah. pathway, yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, and, 
So I started jazz and I mean, I, I can't even remember a single experience in those first sessions, sort of learning about jazz, where I felt out of my comfort zone or that I was thinking, what is this? I just took to it. Like it just was felt very natural mm. to me. I hadn't heard a single bit of vocal improvising at that point. Nobody had um, at that point had um, shared any Ella Fitzgerald or any, you know, yeah. n- no vocal improvising, but I was quite happy to jump in and improvise. I really loved that from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I was at a school where my instrumental peers were really great. They were really excellent. And so um, they were very inspiring. I just jumped in with them. Um, and then soon after that, I, I start, started studying jazz at a jazz school during high school. And that sort of gave me some theory backing. And I started studying with a vocal teacher who, mm. um, you know, that was the sort of um, first time I was introduced to, you know, the art of, of jazz singing. She was kind of pretty old school. It was about phrasing. Mm-hmm. It was about um, singing low. I had to drop all my keys down low. <laughs> um, there were, but uh, I learned a lot from her. And um, and then, yeah, then I just, that's what I wanted to do. But I, I, I did choose to go to a university and, and study jazz in a way that, Um, it wasn't, the course that I did wasn't just, um, jazz standard repertoire. It was jazz standard repertoire as well as writing your own music. Mm. Um, so I was drawn to doing something that could involve both of those things because I loved singing jazz. I loved singing standards. I loved improvising. I loved learning about harmony and, um, all the various kind of materials um, that you could improvise with, uh, but I also really loved writing music. So I was very lucky to go to a school um, where I've been teaching now for a long time th- at that same school, and mm. it's um, it was it was a great pathway for me because it had a bit of everything, mm. and it sort of helped me um, yeah, develop my sound. I guess it helped me f- um, develop both the craft of the musicianship and the kind of understanding of history alongside making my own um, my own sound mm-hmm. and my own music. So, um, yeah. And you're teaching at the college you went to? Yeah, I've been teaching there for about 17 years. Oh, my goodness. So I started <laughs> teaching there the year I finished. And, um, what's I'm sorry. What's the what is the college? Can you tell? The us? school is um, it's the University of Melbourne. Okay. And the school is um, it's now called the uh, Melbourne Conservatorium of Music, uh, Improvisation, Jazz and Improvisation. I think mm-hmm. it's changed its name a few times. It used to be called the Victorian College of the Arts. Um, but yes, but it's um, okay. it's been a great a great place for me. And um, what do you wonderful teach to sort of just I teach voice and ensemble, vocal ensemble. Um, yeah, so I've sort of been lecturing in music f- at a few different places mm. sort of since I finished. That's been a really big part of my um, my career, and I'm very passionate about teaching and particularly teaching 
vocalists mm. um, to um, to find pathways in their musicianship to find to kind of um, uh, to feel empowered by by musicianship and to feel cr- creatively uh, more open mm. to things. Um, I'm very passionate about about that. And so I've been very lucky to be sort of part of lots and lots of music students kind of the first part of their journey mm-hmm. into music. And um, oh, cool. yeah, it's a very privileged thing to do. So I feel, yeah, I really love it. That's awesome. So you're a composer, performer, teacher, mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wear many hats. That's, that's <laughs> I do, awesome. Yeah. And tell me about... And and Venio singer, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, and Venio singers. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I created that about well, it was ten years last year, and um, so eleven years ago. Okay. And um, this came out of my teaching actually, because I was noticing that um, vocalists would leave university, and they usually would. Um, only get their performance opportunities if they were leading them. And so I noticed that, you know, over the years with my instrumental colleagues, they get to play in lots of different projects. Mm-hmm. And particularly when you leave university um, and leave a course, it's just great to get the experience of playing lots of different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a lot of that over the years. I've been a sideman in lots of projects and, and I really value that. I've really valued that experience. So... Part of the idea was to create create an opportunity for really amazing um, improvising singers to um, perform together mm-hmm. and have this experience of um, ensemble performance where they they don't have to it's not their it's not their um, thing to organise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that inspired the project was I just I'd always been really fascinated by choral music and vocal ensemble music and I felt like I had some ideas that Mm. were a little bit different that I wanted to try. Um, So, yeah, I started it as a one-off project and then it's it's continued for 10 years and um, I've composed, I think, six or seven large works for them, Mm -hmm. like hour-long works. Most of them are a cappella. Some of them are uh, collaborations with other musicians or, um, you know, artists and... It's been great. There's been some members that have been in it from the beginning, um, but also every couple of years there's a kind of new intake. And um, so lots of really incredible singers have been through the group and um, it's been great and a, a really um, very rewarding thing to to lead, mm-hmm. um, to write for and to lead because it's just, um, yeah, watching the sort of... Um, the 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 growth and the kind of challenge of performing this material um, and watching that within the individuals and the ensemble itself is really it's been really inspiring and um, you know it's kind of been little culture mm. um, for for singing for contemporary singers and I I really I'm very proud of it yeah do you guys uh, meet regularly and rehearse. No, we've never we've never done that. We've always just met for the projects okay. that we're doing. Um, 
you know, in our early years, we were doing lots of projects. So it ended up being very regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in the last couple of years, we've hardly done anything yeah. as, 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 um, oh, yeah. as is typical of this time. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of do project to project and that works really well because people just kind of get on with the other things they're doing and then dip in and out of, mm-hmm. um, Invenio projects, uh, but yeah, we've done some really such fun things over the years and it's been also just a wonderful way to have a kind of community of singers supporting each other. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it's cool. I was listening to a few things on Bandcamp or SoundCloud. It's really unique yep. and 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 beautiful and there's hints of that in one of the tracks in Grey is Ground where there's like multi-voice but i'm assuming that was largely you all your voices yeah it's all my voices on the album um i i really i just love doing that layered voice stuff in the studio i've been you know yeah um i could spend my whole life doing that i would be quite happy um it's really fun Um, yeah but i really do love hearing you know when i compose for for invenio I'm composing for different sounds sure. and that's really the beauty of, of Invenio. Everybody has a very unique sound in that ensemble and um, I love hearing all of the different voices and the way they blend. Um, that's a different thing and it's just, yeah, it's it's really special, especially when you're singing in a room together. Mm. You know, I can't, I can't replicate layers of me yeah. in a room. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I can do a loop. I've I've used effects in the past and loop, but it's not the same. Right. It's I'd rather have in a live setting, I'd rather have a bunch of people. Bodies. Yeah. I'd rather have other <laughs> singers with me. <laughs> um yeah. because the, there's just an absolute magic in in singing with other singers. That's so true. That making mm. singing with another person or other people is it's nothing quite like it. That's for sure. Mm. I was um so I was listening to uh, an earlier album of yours, The Differences. Mm. And uh, Jamie, I'm going to pronounce his last name wrong. Olders? Olders, Olders, yeah. Yeah. So that album, I mean, he's phenomenal. By the, uh, just, just saying, uh, as a saxophonist, I was like, ooh, I need to check this guy yeah. out a lot more. Um, but that album, I would classify as more of a jazz, I mean, that's like, if I were to put that album on and go, that's a jazz album. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's jazz. And, um, although it's, you, it's very unique. Like it's not, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I hate labels. It's not like just straight ahead. I mean, there's like lots of really cool nuance things in there, but gray is ground your latest album and even some of your albums before that, like you're pushing, you're definitely pushing boundaries of car, as far as genres. And I know you've, you've talked about this a lot and I hate, I mean, it's one of those things like labels are horrible and yet they're there. <laughs> like mm. you yeah. have to say, Oh, this is, it's hard to just say, Oh, like, yeah, go listen to this music. Here's this great music. Go, go listen to yeah. it. You have to say something about it, but um, 
anyway, it's just it's an interesting it was an interesting juxtaposition those two albums, and there's a thread there of this pushing boundaries and and especially with your voice, you know, doing super creative and inv- inventive things. Even the standards you did did on that album, like reimagining them. Um, but it feels like you're you're on a you're on a way different path now from there in terms of mm-hmm. uh mostly original or maybe all original and, and and not not even thinking about okay what genre is this it's just like no what's what's actually authentically coming through Gian <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i feel um i feel uh like from the get-go, the very first album I released was a kind of chamber, I would maybe classify it as like chamber jazz. It was um, piano bass. It was a sort of piano bass and some horns and me. But it was very, um, it was certainly, uh, there was improvising on it. The kind of forms, the forms on it were... um, were I guess inspired by jazz, the jazz kind of way of thinking about form. But the style of the songs, the harmony was different. So even from the get-go, that was my first album when I was 21 mm. and straight out of uni. So I think, you know, I just, I just, I don't think I've ever really tried to do different things. I've just followed my curiosity mm. and... Yeah, to me, um, music is music and so I feel like very inspired by lots of different types of music and um, I've never sort of felt that I want to slot in somewhere. (laughs) Although, you know, that would be handy um, (laughs) for for publicity purposes. But um, but I've, you know, the... The thing that I've been focused on is just following that curiosity, you know. And so I think all of my... So after making that first album, I started playing guitar a lot and I made an album that was much more like a pop pop rock folk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I made... Well, Barney and I have a previous collaboration called Silent Running and that's like electronic... Um, it's the closer kind of thing to this album, Grey is Ground. Mm. And then um, and then I made The Differences, which was with Jamie. And, I mean, that album was, there's a couple of standards on there, so that's the only time that I've recorded mm. uh, standards. something other than my own music. Oh. Um, but the other pieces on that album are my songs. And Jamie, you know, that feels like a jazz album, I think, a lot because of the instrumentation, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a standard jazz quart- quartet. Yeah. Um, and then I recorded, oh, previous to that, I recorded an album with a piano player, which was really like, almost like art song, you know, really um, composed piano parts. Um, it, was a, it was a concept album for sure. Mm. And then... Uh, my next album was a trio album with my brother who plays nylon string guitar and my partner um, who plays acoustic six-string bass. Mm. 
and so we made an album and all of that music, it's much more folk, kind of folk orientated, but still, you know, a fair bit of improvising. Uh, and then, yeah, here we are at Grey's Ground and for me, it all has a logic to it. Like it all moves <laughs> right. in a, in a, in a progression that, that sort of followed my curiosity. But I think it's, it is very difficult when you don't sort of slot in somewhere. It's very difficult to know what to do with your music once it's there. Mm. Once it's out in the world, it's very difficult to sort of go, well, what's the audience for this music? Particularly if you're, um, you know, um, trying to, um, well, if your community, I mean, my sort of community in Melbourne, Australia, and even in the States is the jazz community. Mm -hmm. So um, I've always felt that all of my albums, I've always felt that even though they have this kind of inspiration and um, they have these sounds that come from outside of jazz, the mentality in um, the way that we play the music is a totally totally jazz mentality mm -hmm. you know the kind of improvisers mentality yeah. is um through all of my music and um even with my ensemble in Vanio singers you know it's i feel that um you know it might not sound like jazz to uh to everyone but it feels like jazz to me all, yeah. all of my music feels like jazz um, and so yep. it's really difficult. It's yeah. a really difficult thing. And I've, you know, I've spoken to lots of musicians that, that have this same, um, quandary. It's sort of like the way you experience and make your music is one thing, but then the way that you put it into the world Market is it another. And and it's, it, yeah. yeah. And it's very hard. I mean, it's, it's easier to get your music out there these days, of course, there's lots of different ways to do it, but it's also such a huge, it's such a huge <laughs> world of music yeah. I mean there's so much music yeah. coming out all the time yeah. so it's like how do you um how do you cut through and and um and have your music heard by different audiences yep. you know to find the, the audiences, audiences that might be into yeah so you know that's a that's a that's a challenge um for all of us I think yeah and I, I'm always happy to talk about it because it's just mm -hmm. it is so central to the way that we put out music and um and so, you know, it feels important to have these conversations. And I think probably, you know, in future it will change. We will have different ways of classifying music because it it um it does kind of push a lot of artists into these grey yeah. areas. You it's know, limiting. It, it's limiting. I think it is. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> How do you trust? Have you always trusted your curiosity? I mean, that I think that's a really unique ability yeah I think um that's a, I mean that's a good question I, I mean I certainly um I feel that because as I was saying before because music for me writing music is such a sort of deep dive into my darkest the darkest corners of my mind mm -hmm. um I think Finding the ways to get there is just th that's that's what I'm interested in, and everything else kind of drops away mm. while I'm doing that. So it's just sort of like I don't when I'm making music, I really never think about who I'm making it for. That's um, awesome. That sort of that might come later, <laughs> but I don't have those kind of 
oh, is so-and-so going to not like this because, you know, and so I, I do feel it's it's possibly also because I've just written, written a lot of music and I, um, and so I don't, maybe those kind of um, critics are not as loud for me, but I, mm-hmm. I think it's also because writing for me is not a means to performing my own music. Writing is catharsis mm. for me, so it's just... Um, once I've written it, then, yeah, I'm really excited to perform it and, and um, get it out there. But while I'm writing it, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to find things yep. in there. Um, and particularly, I really haven't been writing a lot in the last couple of years because of COVID and also having two small children. Oops, yeah. And um, and I'm realising how much I really, mi- really miss that, mm-hmm. much more actually than performing, just having my own space to um, to create fight to find and discover things in the music um, so I'm really excited to kind of I'm sort of creeping out of that now I've started writing <laughs> oh, a little bit yay. and yeah I'm really I'm, I'm I'm starting to feel sort of excited about the next kind of lot of stuff that I'm I'm gonna do but uh, yeah I do feel that that kind of thing does come with practice that the sort of more you write, the more you write, the more you it becomes a process and not a um, a process that it has its challenges, but the challenges are sort of musical mm-hmm. or philosophical. They're not um, they're not sort of fighting with yourself um, about whether it's good or not. Um, yeah, you know, I have those. I totally have those things in performance, and I have those things once I've put something into the world, you know, oh, is it good enough? Um, I have I have those doubts sure. and those questions. But in the process of writing, um, I, I really get into that sort of flow state and problem-solving state um, quite quickly, mm. and I just, I really love that space. What do you say to a student of yours that wants to start writing and is having trouble accessing that like do you have any clues or tips or techniques for them to to start to yeah develop that yeah um i'm actually i'm doing a running a composition course at the minute oh, actually awesome. i started one last <laughs> night and um i talk to students a lot about this and i think yeah it comes back to consistency and practice and um, I give students a lot of composition exercises. I get people to think about writing from kind of random beginnings um, to generate ideas. I kind of have a, I have a very strong, because of my process, you know, the kind of heart and soul of the music that I make is not necessarily in there at the beginning, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. like I could start with some random little bit of musical information and because of the the way the way I develop a piece, or because of the way I um, I need I'm searching for something in order for it to be finished, like it'll always be me. It'll always be truthful. It'll always have that mm-hmm. meanness um, in yeah. it. But it's just getting going, getting going, and getting um, out of a rut or something is um, can be really easy if you just release this idea of having to have 
an inspiring first thought. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not really, I don't really, the kind of mystery, the mysterious part of composing for me, the bit that I don't understand is fully, is um, when do you know that a, a piece is finished, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I sort of just know, I have a feeling it's that it's finished. Mm. And, um, and I'm not sure how to articulate that to a student. But um, I think over over time you you learn that. You gain that. But the rest of the process, how to start a piece, how to develop a piece. I mean, I've just got so many different ideas and different ways I've done it, and um, and I think I really try and express to students that there's that it is it is something to learn. Mm. It's not something that you're gifted with right. that you can do or can't do. I think it's something you can learn mm -hmm. and. Um, it's through practice. Like, so I've got my students this week doing two minute, um, setting a timer and coming up with two minute ideas all through the mm -hmm. week. And then we'll do sort of different development exercises. And it's, so it's just getting, you know, I think for me, the process of, um, composing is, it's a lot of, there's a lot of problem solving mm. and it's a lot of like craft work that, I really love, it's not, it doesn't, you know, my ego is not sort of in the equation because I'm too focused on the work itself. <laughs> like, and that's what I try and, that's what I'm trying to get my students to sort of think about. Mm. It's not, I don't want them to have the idea in the composition process that they're going to be thinking, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm really expressing something here. Um, that's for later. Right. You know, that's for later when you've finished it and you think, oh, wow, I'm proud of yeah. this and I'm really saying something here. I love that. But in the process of doing it, it's just like, you know, you're sculpting, you've got clay in front of you and you're sculpting something and you're working out what it is and you're using your tools and, um, and you're breaking things up, you're making things different for yourself. You know, like if you're always writing on piano, don't write on piano, write on something else. If you always start with uh, chords, don't start with chords, start with something else. Right. You know, it's just sort of like, yeah, I'm really constantly inspired to try something new and I don't feel, I think if you have that sort of sense of agility, then you don't have to feel that you have creative blocks. You know, you can feel like it's just a matter of trying something different mm -hmm. um and so yeah and I, I also think that it's really important to know that everything you write is not going to be good right. like it's really important <laughs> to know that just but everything you write is good practice sure. it's all valuable and it's all good but it's just you know it might not be something you want to perform yeah. and that's fine that's totally <laughs> fine I think a lot of people they just want to get the song out yeah and have something yep. to show and that's the time that they're willing to put into it and um and I just think it won't develop if you don't continue to practice yeah. it I, so I love those would be my tips yeah, I love that that's <laughs> awesome is this composition course through the university or is this something you're just offering online or tell tell me more about yeah. that I started these courses at the beginning of the year um as a kind of education educational branch of Invenio Singers mm -hmm. um, and I've called it Invenio Lab. Oh, fun. And um, I've been doing courses in voice, um, composition and improvisation 
And so I did two lots of the courses over summer and now I'm doing a winter course at the moment and um, mostly working with vocalists, although some instrumentalists. Mm. Um, and, yeah, really a lot of them are, are already quite established. They're performers out in the world, they're composers, and they're just looking for kind of a different perspective or, yeah. um, you know, just hitting the refresh button a little bit. And so... Yeah, it's been great. It's been a wonderful way to sort of just um, use my skills but also kind of bring groups of people together that will also inspire each mm -hmm. other. Love that. Um, yeah, and so it's been, it's, been, um, it's been really great and I'm hopefully I'll continue offering the courses because it's been, it's been a nice way to sort of just share, share the information without the kind of um, kind of the constricts of when you're teaching in an yep. institution and you're teaching curriculum. a particular curriculum. Yeah. yeah. So, it's yeah, it's been great. That's super cool. I love that. Do you listen to much music? Are you a, a, a consumer? Do you, are you listening to a lot of stuff? or? I, I go through phases. I have to say the last... Since having kids, I just, I mean, I hardly listen to music. When baby I, baby when Shark, I do you guys to, listen to Baby Shark? Yeah. We, <laughs> thankfully, we sort of skipped over that. Um, I don't mind listening to all the kids' music. I'm actually totally fine with it. They, um, if they're happy and it's, and it's, you know, keeping things yeah, feeling just... happy and light, then I'm just happy for whatever music. My partner listens to a lot of music. He's really, he gets me into a lot mm. of stuff because he's, He's very curious and very um, uh, knowledgeable and he's always kind of following the different threads of the different things that he's interested in and he knows what music's coming out and he's great like that and he's kind of, he helps me stay in touch with some of the mm. things that I'll probably be really interested in hearing. Um, but I also just get really obsessed listening to one thing over and over and over and over. Yeah. So we were just talking about that the other day because I find, um, I don't find that I'm often really struck by music. Mm -hmm. You know, I find like, oh yeah, that sounds nice, but I'm not really, mm -hmm. it doesn't really pull me yeah. in. And so when something really, I'm like, whoa, that is really great. <laughs> then I listen to it obsessively. Yeah. And um, is there anything like that right now for you? Uh, I am just loving Laura Mvula's new album. Mm -hmm. um, she's, I've just been listening obsessively to all of her singles as they come out. And then the full album's just, I think it's just been out a week. And um, and I love, I love that. Mm. It's really awesome. And I'm loving um, Michael Mayo's album, Michael Mayo's. Mm. Um, Laura Mvula's a singer from, do you, do you do know not. her? I do she's not from, her. she's from, London, I think, is where she's based, and she's definitely moved in and out of the jazz scene. I think mm -hmm. um, I first I first heard her, you know, maybe a decade ago, and um, but this album is like a full kind of eighties pop album. It's like it's just awesome. It's really amazing, Fun. and her singing is just so refreshing and and rhythmic, and it's just the songs are all very catchy, and I just. I love it. And Michael Mayo is a great improvising um, jazz singer, yeah. I guess, in based in New York. And he's written a really, again, like a, a super kind of genre-bending kind of album. You know, it's definitely, 
he improvises a lot on the album, but it's very kind of um, R&B soul um, focused. And that kind of genre is not always my favourite. Mm. I'm not always like it, it has to be something really refreshing and new <laughs> to really grab me yeah. in that world. And um, and I really appreciate it. But yeah, but Michael Mayo's album's sensational. It's just amazing. So those two I've been listening to quite a bit in the past few weeks. But um, you know, like a month ago, it would have been um, it would have been something completely different. I can't even think back to that. But you know, I just go through these waves of just obsessively listening to one thing. Mm. Um, and I can relate. and yeah, and I um, when I can, you sure. know, and my kids. Thankfully, these last two albums that I'm really into, my kids are really into, so I can. <laughs> I can play them around the house, um, which is great. But um, some of the things that I'm into, you know, I just have to, um, I have to just create little, little opportunities to listen to mm. them. So yeah, awesome. What are your must-haves when you sit down to write, like, or when you you're like, okay, I'm gonna write now for an hour or whatever. Like, what do you what do you need in your space for that? Um, mm, I don't think I'm very fussy. I think I can work in any kind of space. Um, I mean, I'd say just a notepad and pen. I think a bit of manuscript would be handy, but if I don't have manuscript, then I can usually notate um, something in a different way. Mm -hmm. And um, But a notepad, maybe my phone to record mm -hmm. a little snippet of something. Um, yeah, but that those would be the central things. If I have a piano great if i don't have a piano that's also fine yeah. i will record voice memos or write sketch ideas out mm -hmm. in um, a notepad um cool yeah but in in terms of space um i really i mean you know it's just like such a fantasy <laughs> to be able to um be in this kind of magical space where you write where you write music but um so maybe one day i'll i'll have that but <laughs> But for me, it's just sort of wherever. Like I've often written songs, you know, in between lessons at the university I teach at, mm -hmm. you know. Just a student doesn't turn up and I think, oh, I've got an hour here. So I'll... Um, You'll work I'll, on stuff. I'll, yeah, I'll start working on something in the little um, practice room. Yeah. Um, yep, yeah, or on the tram ride on the way home is when I'll kind of dig into some lyric writing or, you know, I'll just... I'll find pockets. I'll find Great. them. What yeah. do you? What's coming up for you? What are you looking forward to in the next six to twelve months, musically? Well, um, my next performance is a solo performance, and I'm going to be playing, um, you know, music from all of my albums, and I'm really looking forward to that because I would like for my next project to be a solo project. Mm. Um, so I think out of this out of this time but even before this time I was really um you know I think I've always really loved having amazing mu musicians around me to bounce off and um and I'll, I'll always love yeah. that but I think that um uh, I feel that I want to do something just completely myself that I, f I feel that that's the next thing mm. for me um, so I'm looking forward to that. Just starting to, I'm starting to write some music 
now and I'm I'm really looking forward to sort of just seeing what happens in that space and just um just being really self-sufficient like trusting my instincts completely I mean I'm I'm sort of I think particularly in the recording um yeah, and working out sort of all of the accompaniment myself. That's just, yeah, I'm just really, um, I'm excited about that as a kind of project. And um, I've got some Invenio Singers projects sort of in the works. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of often do collaborative work with other artists and there's some some fun things on the horizon there. So, but yeah, as I, as I mentioned before, you know, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm still in a, I think like a lot of people, like I'm just completely exhausted and from the last 18 months. And so I sort of know that um, I need to start writing again. I need to, I need that. But um, I'm also being quite patient with it because I just, this time is so, um, it's so challenging just the, and um, I'm very kind of devoted to my, two kids mm. and just keeping things feeling bubbling along in our household and nice. um, feeling good. So I just, um, you know, it's kind of a, a, a little feels like a bit of a creep out of this, out of this time and things, I mean, we're not, we're not near being um, vaccinated here in Australia. Like we've got the older populations, mm-hmm. you know, but we've still got a bit of a road there. Yeah. So things are not, things are not really opening up for us um, yet uh hopefully by the end of the year yeah. so i think you know come the end of the year i think i might be feeling a bit more like okay right let's make some plans <laughs> <laughs> but for now yeah. it's just sort of like these lofty ideas in my mind and um but i am starting to feel more excited and i'm i'm also feeling like it's it's going to be really important part of my kind of um rise out of this kind of deep exhaustion to actually even though it's going to take energy, sure. it's also going to give me yep. energy. So um, I, I am looking forward to sort of finding little pockets of time to get back into the creative mindset and um, dig into my writing again. Awesome. Yeah. Where can people learn more about you or your music or your teaching, all of it? Um, well, I have a website and um, a lot of... I mean, that's mostly for my performance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, in terms of videos and links and all of that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, learning about my teaching is probably through Invenio Singers mm-hmm. uh, website. Um, and then, yeah, I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram and um I haven't ventured into the other social media worlds. Those two yeah. will, will be fine for me for now. And is it just <laughs> Gian Slater? Is that your handle? It's gianslater.com. Uh, yep. I'm in on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, yes. Just Gian Slater on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So, I usually post about my um, teaching, the courses that I'm doing and, the and of course, the, the gigs mm-hmm. and various things like that on, on social media. I'm not the most active person on social media, but I do my best. Um, and yeah. And then my music's, um, 
my music's on, I think this year I kind of consolidated a bit and most of my music is now on Spotify and Apple Music. It wasn't um, before this year, so I've put it, it's a bit more accessible now, which is good, important for these days, for these times. And do you have a YouTube channel also? I do. I do have a YouTube channel. I think it's only got... um, my two video clips for this album on for it. For Korea's Crown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but yes, that's new. That's a new channel. Yeah. So I'll be sure to add some more things to that. <laughs> Fun. Gian, it's been such a delight to talk with you. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for our time together. And, and I'm just really loving, loving the album. And um, hope to turn on a lot more people to greatest ground thank you so much steve it's been really lovely to talk with you and just go through all of these different things and into these different corners of um of the process so thank you so much for having me it's my pleasure Hey everyone, just a couple of things before you head on your way. First of all, thanks again for listening. I so appreciate you as an audience. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. It's a goal of mine to grow the audience and get the exposure these musicians deserve. So please tell somebody, point them to the website, point them to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'd love to grow the audience and give these artists the attention they so deserve speaking of the website head on over there theplayfulmusician.com you can hear all past shows and see show notes from this show as well as all the other shows i hope you're enjoying this summer things are starting to heat up and we've got a great lineup on the way for the next few months so stick around and Leave a review if you if you're enjoying the show. It'd be great to get more reviews up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, everybody, take good care, and we'll see you real soon. <laughs>